Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick Wallace dropping in. Hope everybody is having an unbelievable uh, start to their week. Uh, those of you in the U.S. that actually celebrated uh, the extended weekend, uh, hope you're getting back and acclimated to uh, business as usual. Uh, I'm here. This is another uh, installment of the Black Wealth series. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what, what's going on with this series, this series is a parallel to the content that's actually going into my 25th book, which is the Black Wealth Project. And uh, what I've decided to do and I endeavor to do is as a person whose area of expertise um, lies in human behavior, more than anything else, I'm always studying and looking at patterns. Uh, my kids sometimes accuse me of stalking them or having apps uh, on their phones or spying on their phones because I know things that they're doing. And it's simply because I'm trained to observe patterns. And patterns, hum, patterns of human behavior come from patterns of human thought and human, human experiences and the subconscious. And those patterns you don't variate from those patterns without causation. And so when there's a variance from a pattern, there's a cause for that variance. And so I'm always looking for the cause. And I also understand that um, this impacts us in every area of life, including uh, the building and development of wealth. One of the things that we always think about, we think about wealth. Yeah, we think about the things that are out front how we spend our money, how we save our money, how we invest our money, uh, how we as a collective operate in supporting black businesses, starting black businesses, uh, finances in black banks and so many other things, which are an important element. Uh, our earning potential, what are we capable of earning at any given time? It's very important, but I've also shown you and proved to you that people who earn very little were able to amass a substantial amount of wealth by simply understanding and thinking different and moving different changing patterns of thought and behavior. So it's a way of thinking and a way of life, but it's also, an, there needs to be an understanding of the dynamic at play uh, in every element and every idea. And so what I did is I went all the way back to 1865 and I looked at all of the elements, social, political, economic, academic, uh, that were in that were at play uh policy wise uh environment wise everything that was at play that had an impact and could have impacted in any way uh our our quest to become financially and economically self-sufficient and why in 2021 is the wealth gap between blacks and whites still widening and the answer isn't uh, as simple as we're lazy. It isn't as simple as we need to pull ourselves up our own bootstraps. Uh, there are so many different things at play. So far in this series, we've talked about the black codes. We've talked about redlining. We talked about gentrification. We talked about Jim Crow segregation. Uh, we've talked about a, a number of other different topics. Today, I want to talk to you about the theory of stress, influence, and childhood childhood adverse experiences, and how it actually plays a role. See, most people are not going to go into that. So I want to get into that. But I also want to remind you, uh, while I'm here, is that for this 25th book, 
what I'm doing differently than I've done in any other book is I'm opening it up to sponsorship. You can literally sponsor a space in the book where you can pay tribute to anybody you want to pay tribute to, whether it's your parents, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a teacher, uh, what, whoever has impacted your life in, in a way that you want to pay tribute to them, you can do that. You can also celebrate something that you've done that you consider to be exceptional or extraordinary, phenomenal, and you want to share it with the world and you want to memorialize it in a permanent way. You can sponsor space in the book. The way that I've done this is there is nobody going to be left out. So if you want to sponsor with 50 cents, you can literally sponsor 50 cents and still have your name in the book and still write your uh, your your lines to who you want to pay tribute to. Uh, obviously, the more you sponsor, the more things that come as a uh, reward for doing so. If you sponsor $25 or more, you will get a, cop a signed copy of the book. If you sponsor $100 or more, you will get a dedicated page on which you will be able to do your tribute, meaning that that page will be yours and yours only. Uh, if you do 250 you will get the, the book, the dedicated page, and be able to submit a photo of the person that you want to celebrate. So that's that. All the information you need to make that happen is going to be in the description box. Click that link and go over. Once you make the sponsorship, I'm actually reaching out to each individual personally to find out what you want in there under your name. And then you'll get that to me and it'll be logged in an account. And when we publish the book, it will be in there. So if you haven't sponsored your space in the book yet and you want to do so, click the link. All right. Let's talk about a little uh, rarely discussed element and component when it comes to poverty versus wealth. And that is the health of our children who become adults and live based off of their childhood experiences. Because the whole idea is that if I just get a job that pays me X amount of dollars, I'll be able to build wealth. If I can just do X, Y, Z, uh, that opens up my earning potential, I'll be able to do something that will lead towards wealth. And wealth is so much more than just the dollar amount. It's the mindset. It's the mental health. It's the physical health. And we talked about physical health and so many other things uh, previously as well. But what we know is that stress into the lives of children have been proven to reduce their capacity to function optimally in many uh, in many stages of life. And one of the things is academics, other things is in how they manage and move and operate in the economic sphere, which again is uh, a part of that. So here, here we will understand, we wanna talk about stress, the stress theory and how it impacts this whole discussion about wealth. Well, in poverty, say, okay, you've got a large portion of the black community operating at or below the poverty line. So when you are in a space of poverty, that's simply a heightened level of stress. Well, everybody, no matter who they are, no matter where they at, have things that they stress about. That's just life. Okay, but let's be real about it. If you are operating in a space of poverty, you have things you stress about on a consistent basis that the other that other people don't. Uh, what are you going to eat? How are you going to pay the rent? How are you going to pay the lights? How are you going to keep this on? Simple things like, you know, you think about clothes and all that, but it's so much more that goes along with this. Now, that's 
the stress part. Now, what we also understand is the studies reveal, and it's obvious if you just simply think about it, that parents who are in a situation of struggling uh, tend to create an environment of stress, not just for themselves, but for their kids. And there's this thing that is no, it's called adverse childhood experiences. Uh, there have been a number of study on, studies on it. Probably the most well-known study is the Kaiser study, where they identify 10 uh, specific stressors or 10 specific uh, experiences that would be considered adverse experiences and would have these lifelong impacts on a child's life. Uh, on the abuse side, you have physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. In the area of neglect, you have physical and emotional neglect, and then household dysfunction, mental illness, uh, uh, and incarcerated relatives, substance substance abuse, uh, mother encountering violence or domestic abuse, and divorce. All of these are adverse childhood experiences and will have a massive impact on the mental health of the child, along with the physical health of the child down the line. And so what happens is in this environment, children are going to function more. Let me, let, let me just give you some of the impacts of experiencing, uh, let's say, three. Each one of those has a point. Everything that I named is worth one point. So you can get up to 10 points, but all it takes is three to four points on the adverse childhood experiences or the ACE scale. They call ACEs. Uh, the A scale, it only takes three to four and you start getting some major shifts in lifehood experiences and performances and well-being and mental health and all of that. For instance, three to four aces will put you all in. So let's just say anything from three to four aces and up. And how many of those things, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, uh, physical neglect, emotional neglect, mental illness. And I'm going to go back and touch on these all in a minute. Uh, mother, domestic abuse, divorce, uh, incarcerated relatives, sex, substance abuse. How many people who know that in an impoverished environment, that's uh, those <laughs> are like prevalent? You know, uh, it's it's not hard to get three or four in an impoverished environment. We're going to talk about why, but let's let's talk about what happens when you're at four aces. High heightened level of anxiety, depression, impaired learning and memory. So you're struggling in school. You're struggling in the ability to develop the skills that are going to be absolutely necessary for you to be highly functional in life. Uh, Leads to hypervigilance and reduced attention control. Again, hypervigilance is also associated with. uh, 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 Wow. Drew, Drew a blank. But it's also uh, with, uh, wow, can't believe I drew, drew that blank like that. I mean, and it's a common term. I use it a million times a day. But uh, but heightened levels of trauma, it'll pop back to me when I stop thinking about it. I'm thinking too hard. But uh, hypervigilance is this awareness of everything that's going on. There's always this anticipation that something's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. There's a fear of foreshortened future. All of these things are happening. That hypervigilance, the reduced attention control. So now I'm not able to pay attention. And it's often uh, uh, misdiagnosed as a simple state of uh, attention deficit hyper, hyperactive disorder. When the truth of the matter is, it's a lot more 
uh, in depth. Uh, then there's the difficulty in experiencing joy, uh, difficulty in understanding the relevance of a situation and having the ability to respond to it. A lot of things we'll sit up and look at a person and say, man, that just didn't make sense. What the hell were they thinking? Of? Why you? Why can't you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Why can't you understand what I'm trying to get across to you? And the truth of the matter is that these experiences over time do this. Uh, but that's not the only thing. Let's talk about some behavioral risks that come with four uh, or more ACEs. A heightened proclivity to become a, a chain smoker, uh, an alcoholic, uh, a proclivity to be, become less physically active, living a sedentary lifestyle, uh, to become addicted to drugs, to become uh, a person who misses work on a regular basis. None of those things are conducive to being highly effective in the economic sphere or the financial world, or in other words, developing wealth. Uh, then on the physical and mental health side, severe obesity, depression, diabetes, suicide attempts, suicide attempts. Let's, let's stop just for a second. There, suicide attempts Four aces. A child who experienced four aces is 12 times more likely to attempt suicide than a child who has not experienced one. 12 times more likely. But we're talking about obesity, which is a major killer and contributor to other things like ischemic and coronary heart disease. So, again, we're looking at things that. Now, you say, well, what all this got to do with wealth? Well, first of all, you got to be functional to operate in this world. You got to be functional. You got to be able to adjust. You got to be able to learn. You got to be able to adapt. Now, if you're sitting up and you're talking about being sick, what does that mean? Being sick means I can't be present all the time. I can't be present when my life is demanding me to show up every day. I can't show up every day because I'm sick. Also, there comes a level of mental uh, disruption with physical health. Your physical health and your mental health work in a conjunction with one another. If you're not mentally stable, it's going to show up eventually in your physical health because heightened levels of stress, what produces heightened levels of cortisol and adrenaline in the bloodstream over time, that's chronic stress starts to tear down your organs and again, impacts your health. So all of these things are planning and it's not something that it ends up being an adult problem, but it started in childhood and it was exacerbated by poverty. Why? Because there are more stressors in a home where there's not enough resources. Again, some of the things that we talked about, let's talk about neglect. Two of the 10 aces land in neglect, physical and emotional neglect. If a parent is stressing about the bills getting paid? Do you think they are providing the emotional uh, support that a child needs? If a parent is struggling with all of these stresses that come along with poverty, do you think they are actually providing the physical presence and the right frame of mind? No, it's hostile. It is, and it doesn't mean that that's what they're trying to create. They're out there stressing because they actually love their family. They're out there stressing because they actually want to do for their family. But that level of stress puts them on edge. Guess who's the target of a lot of that edginess? And the thing is, we normalize it. We've normalized this edginess in our home, so we don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's probably people watching this video right now. What's the big deal? The problem is... It shows up in your life experiences. It shows up in your life performance. And a lot of people will sit up and say, well, I went through that same thing and I'm a six figure earner and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. My argument would be if you didn't go through it, you might be a seven figure earner. 
those are the, those are the things that you have to actually look at is just because by common assessment or the common idea of what is you're doing okay doesn't mean that you haven't been impacted you were impacted maybe at a lesser level than some or you had a higher resiliency than some and you made some adjustments or over time you readjusted and was exposed to the right things that opened up gates for you and allowed you to approach healing and you're doing better. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is when you have a predominance of a particular people in a specific space, there has to be an explanation for it. You can't just sit up and say, well, blacks are just sorry. Blacks are just lazy. Black. No, because I see people working every day. I see people getting up, working two and three jobs. I see mothers who are single going out working. I see a lot of different things. But here's another one. Speaking of mothers, single mothers getting up and going working, divorce is another one of those uh, aces that what you think is an impact in the kid because the kid is resilient and tends to adjust to it is impacting them. That's an ace. A parent or a sibling being incarcerated is another ace. There, there are these things that are happening and that are more likely to happen in an impoverished environment than a, than a more uh, financially affluent environment. And those are the things that we aren't paying attention to that have a negative impact on the back end. We can talk about wealth all day, but if by the time a child gets to the point where they should be actually taking the reins and starting to develop wealth, first and foremost, we've already talked about this. Vast majority of us aren't passing wealth to our kids. So our kids are coming up in an environment where they have to start from zero, just like we did. We might actually be living a pretty decent life. We may actually have an above average income. But what we don't have is a reserve that's set aside that we're building for our children that ensures they will not accrue uh, student loan debt. They will not have to go in and figure out how they're going to buy their first home all on their own. Things that the wealthy are doing for their offspring that, that as, a, as a general rule, we're not able to do to ours. You ought to look. There are grandparents in that other group that have money set aside for their grandkids to assist them on the, on the down payment for their first home. There has, as a general rule, I saw in, in a study that I looked at with whites being assisted in their first down payment for their first home with monies up to 50 to 60 to $70,000. We don't have that type of escrow sitting around for our kids. What we've been trained to do based off of our own suffrage as children and sense of lack is when we finally get paid, we finna go out and enjoy it. We're not looking for enough down the line to sit up and say, well, I don't even want my kid to ever experience this. And they probably won't in the house if you are one of those parents that are doing this. But are you setting them up? And the truth is, very few are set up because very few have parents who have the capacity to set them up. So now they get to 18, 19, and 20, and the, the, uh, the vast majority are pushing them out of the house. A lot of it is not because we want to. It's out of necessity. We still got your brother and sister. We got to take care. We can't keep taking you. You got to go. You got to figure it out. You got to get out on your own. The problem is those that they're going to be uh, competing against in this world for footing and success, they're not having to face that same challenge of being 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, figuring it out. They're being unwritten. They're having their education. And I'm not, there's always an exception. There's always rules. But as a general rule, they're not facing it at the level our children are facing at. Or there wouldn't be a big gap 
uh, as far as median household wealth. There has to be an explanation. There's no such thing as a coincidence. There's no such thing as, man, we just have the bad luck of the draw. This isn't a spades game. And anybody who's played spades is, unless your opponent is just getting 10 hands every time, you can you can be getting a not-so-good hand and, 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 and play it right and still be in the game at the end if you know how to play the game. So, but so again, even in spades, there's a way to make it happen. But if 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 you don't get there, there has to be an answer for it. Either at the end of the game in spades, you just had the poor luck of the draw, and 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 they they got ten hands and nine hands and eight hands all the way through, or you misplayed your hand. Now, so the question is, are are have blacks historically misplayed their hand? In some ways, we have. But is that the end of the game? No. And there is no draw. There's no luck of the draw. It's what you're given. It's what you have inherited. It is what's out there. You have to look at the black codes. That puts you behind the gate. You have to look at convict leasing. That puts you behind the gate. You have to look at redlining. That puts you behind the gate. Urban renewal, benign neglect, gentrification. Put you, put, and then there's serial force displacement, another part that nobody talks about that has an emotional, uh, mental, and psychological impact that impacts not just your ability to, to, to build wealth, but also your mental health, which also is impairing your ability to build wealth. All of these things have a place. And uh, those of you who don't understand me, those of you who haven't followed me, those of you who may not uh, know me, please understand that this isn't about complaining. This isn't about sitting up and whining and saying, look what they did. This is about developing an understanding, a perspicacity, an awareness of what's going on for the purpose of developing solutions. This is, understand, this book is at the end of the book, by the end of the book, giving you a lot of solutions, a lot of things that every black family can do, a lot of things that needs to be done on the social level, on the mental level, on the emotional level on the financial level for all of this stuff to actually come to place. You can have all the numbers, you can have all the mechanisms, but the thing is, if all you have is mechanisms and the people that you're competing against have the same mechanisms, how do you ever cut, catch up? How do you ever close the gap? You're going to have to tap into something inside of yourself that exposes you something that's uniquely to yourself that they don't have. Your creativity is unique to you. Your ability and your ingenuity is unique to you. Your high level of spirituality is unique to you. Your ability to even be in this darn gone place right now and alive says a lot about who we are as a people, but we have to understand this in a way that allows us to heal. The I, There's a reason why you've got so many people with these sharp minds and yet we haven't made any ground and we're actually moving away from uh, closing the gap. And those are the things you have to be aware of. And that's what I'm talking about. You're talking about physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. That's happening in the home. We don't want to deal with it. I've talked about the elephant in the room more than once. That's something we're going to have to deal with. But mental illness, that's that's a common thread. Oh, mother treated violently. Another elephant in the room. When the second or third cause, depending on what studies you look at, the second or third cause of death, of, of black women between the ages of 15 and 44 is intimate partner homicide. There's a lot of domestic violence going on. And this isn't all between two single uh, 
unchild individuals. A lot of this is happening in the presence of children. That's something that we've got to be aware of. And what's happening to the child, that's an adverse childhood experience. Remember, you only need three of these things to happen in, in the life of the child, as a child, for it to have lifelong repercussions. Talking about heart disease, broken bones, stroke, cancer. Now, I've talked about epigenetics in great detail and how that impacts and upregulates genes and, and can lead to things like cancer, diabetes, and all these things. This is just another approach around to it, but it's still an epigenetic influence. It's environmental uh, influences on your genes. And it's impacting your ability to function. And while it seems like just a social issue or just a mental health issue, it has definitely over time impacted our capacity to build wealth. That's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. See, another thing that bothers me, and I've talked about this, and I'm going to go ahead and shut down, is that the things of substance we're not drawn to. And a great deal of that is actually the need for escapism. Everything is so heavy that dealing with anything heavy is just, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to deal with all that stuff, Doc. I don't want to talk about no damn ACEs. I don't want to talk about mental health. I don't want to talk about domestic abuse. I don't want to talk about poverty. I just want to laugh. I want to just have some fun. I want to hear that music popping. I want to see some so, 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 something that takes me away from it all. That's why abuse, uh, drug abuse is at an all-time high. That's why alcoholism, alcoholism is at an all-time high. That's why smoking is such a risk in situations like that, because the escapism is what we focus on. But that's not where your healing has come from. Healing doesn't come from escapism. Everybody that tells you, anytime you've ever heard an expert speak, anytime you've ever heard anybody, you've got to engage the illness. You've got to engage the problem. You've got to confront what harmed you. You've got to be able to understand it so that you can overcome it. You can't hide from it. it hiding from it and pretending that it doesn't exist doesn't make it disappear. You are going to have to have an understanding that this isn't just about numbers. We show way back in the day that we had the numbers thing down. That's how we had Tulsa. That's how we had Slocum. That's how we had Rosewood. That's how we had Wilmington and East St. Louis and all these other places where we thrived. We've always had the number thing down. This is bigger than the numbers thing. There are policies holding us back. And at the same time, we're suffering from the poverty in a way that's crippling our children. And we're creating another generation that's incapable of taking the reins. We're going to have to confront this thing. There's going to have to be a dynamic uh, national uh, network and movement that confronts this issue. I've been talking about this forever. And, 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 and if you go back, you're going to look. You're going to see me talking about adverse childhood experience. You're going to see me talking about epigenetics to I'm blue in the face. I've done so much research on epigenetics and written so many papers that the International Epigenetic Cancer uh, uh, Conference on uh, Cancer invited me to speak in Germany about five years ago. Hell, I didn't even get into it to find out about cancer. I got into it to find out about trauma. I was into it to find about find out about trauma because the argument was so prevalent uh, when I started the uh, research 
the argument was so prevalent, the argument about, man, it's been a hundred and some years. At the time I started, it's been 130 years since slavery. It's been 156 now. That's how long I've been researching this. And so I started to look and I'm saying, okay, is that such, is that such thing as um, multi-generational transmission of trauma? Does generational trauma really exist? Or is that something we made up just to cover for the fact that we've made no ground? Well, yeah, we found out it definitely exists. We found out that it's, it, it, it's transmitted in multiple ways. Le social learning theory, epigenetics, re-injury. We don't want to talk. See, we act like once we were free uh, in 1865, you really want to call that free, that everything was just grand. We got everything that we had we should have got. We didn't even get our 40 acres and a mule. What are you talking about? We didn't get that. We didn't get, we, we, we got pushed. I mean, there were, we, there were ways, a lot of us couldn't even flee from the South because many states in the North didn't want us there. Hell, Oregon had a 30-day law that if you're caught in, in, in Oregon more than uh, 30 days, uh, you, you'll be whipped with 30 lashes and, and, and kicked out of the state. They didn't want us there. So most of us are stuck in a place where we're literally demised and, uh, despised and hated. And then so we ended up facing all these black codes, black codes that said we couldn't buy land. We couldn't own businesses. Black codes that says there were certain jobs we were not allowed to have. And then that increased the, the rate of unemployment drastically, right? Because we came off plantations. We were employed, but we were employed for zero currency, uh, zero compensation. But now we're off. We have the skill sets because we've been doing all the work. But guess what? All those areas of industry in which we had the skill set, we were outlawed from having jobs. Well, what did that do? That created a great deal of unemployment. What happened after that? They criminalized unemployment. They made vagrancy laws that said if you were unemployment and you couldn't prove employment on, your, on an annual basis, that you could literally be incarcerated up to 12 years. It was a felony to be unemployed if you were black. We got to go back and we got to look at all these things. We got to talk about these things and we got to understand that where we're at right now isn't because we just walked off the plantation and screwed up our opportunities. Hell, we were scratching and fighting just to get an opportunity. And then when we decided, okay, they're not going to let us play in their place. We're going to go create our own place. They can't burn that down. We got to look at all of that because all of that plays a role in our inability to produce right now. It's not as simple as everybody want to make it because when they when you make it simple like that, when you simplify it, when you oversimplify it, you make people look at it and say, well, damn, it's just me. I'm just not meant to. That's where we get that lot in life thing. Poverty is just my lot in life, man. So some people just weren't. No, no, it ain't. Some people were meant nothing. It's about what we're going to do as a collective to determine our own destiny when we stop. expecting them to give us what we have to create ourselves. And what we have to understand is that in a home where parents are struggling just to make ends meet, there's a level of stress that's crippling the child for the next generation. So now you don't only have to go out and deal with all this stuff out there. You're already going out there with a burden that was saddled on you when you were just young. And if we don't confront it, it's just going to be a compounded problem until we are willing to truly engage and answer the question with an open mind of how are we in 2021 and still witnessing a widening of the wealth gap.
unless you can show me with data that 90% of blacks are lazy, 96% of blacks don't have a desire to do better, 90% of blacks are just sitting around waiting to be helped. Do we have issues? Yes, but even those issues are created purposely. The dependency on the government works in the favor of the government. And we've got to deal with all of that. Look, I'm going to get ready to get off of here. Uh, for those that decided to stop by and show some love, I really appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't spawned, gotten your uh, uh, sponsored your space in the book to pay tribute to someone you want to pay tribute to, the link is there in the description box. Definitely do that. Um, and uh, I am going to enjoy reading these and ultimately publishing them. Uh, but also, we've got to become more aware of all of the mechanisms, schemes, and machinations that are subtle and overt in place that hinder our movement, our progression. We can talk all day long about what we want. If we don't position ourselves to have it, it's just a pipe dream. Now, the thing is, it can be done. It's going to take work. It's going to take a consistent and constant effort over time. I've said this a number of different times. I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to shut down. In order for us to experience true liberation as we see it, true empowerment as we envision it, it's going to take Black men and Black women, but Black men especially, who are willing to plant seeds that they will not live long enough to see come to fruition. What that means is you're not going to win this with a quick fix Band-Aid. You're not going to get invest in, in, in Bitcoin and, and, and blow up and everybody get rich. You're going to have to plant seeds. You're going to have to change the introductions of values, interests, and principles into our youth. You're going to have to realize the importance of investing time and in, in positive energy in our youth when they're in the home. You're going to have to see the importance of saying, look, I'm creating something in you so that you can do something I didn't do. And then covering them so that the external forces that want to rip that identity away from them can't. You got to cover them long enough for the seed to take root. You, you can't be exposing them to all of the stuff that they're exposed to now on social media that suggests that they're empty vessels and that their best asset is their body and their face and their muscles and their 40 inch uh, vertical and their, and their 4.2 40 yard dash. And I'm not saying nothing wrong with that. Enjoy yourself, play yourself, but you can't see that superficially and win in this world. You got to look beyond it because one day you won't be able to run the 40 and 4.2. One day you won't have a 40 inch vertical. One day you won't have all these things that they sell to you is your your prime assets. What are you going to do? You've got to be able to fall back on something that's bigger, that's greater, that's more lasting, that's more enduring. And that's the thing we got to instill in our children. Is there so much more than their bodies? There's so much more than what they can physically do. And that's the thing that's on us. And then we've got to let it, let it, let it grow and let them come to it. Like I said, a lot of seeds I'm planting, I'm not going to be alive when they come to fruition. I have to trust my legacy will speak for me after I'm gone. I got to be willing to be more concerned about my grandkids than I am me in order for this thing to work. See, if I don't worry about me, I'm going out and I'm getting mine. And I'm capable of doing that. I've proven that. 
I'm getting mine. But how am I preparing those who follow me? What seeds am I planting that's going to push them beyond where I've ever been able to go? That's the thing. If the generation that follows me doesn't do as good as I've done, I failed. And what I'm seeing in this generation scares me. <coughs> A sense of entitlement. Thinking everybody owns something. Bringing nothing to the table having no desire to be better, become better, become stronger, become wiser, become more aware. Just look how cute I am. Man, look how fast I'm running. Again, nothing wrong with that. But be aware here because this will outlive all of that other stuff by decades. And that's the thing that we've got to teach. That's the thing I'm pushing. Again, I'm out of here. You guys have an unbelievable time and day. Uh, I still have so much more to do, but I just needed to stop back in and get this series rolling. Uh, the next one will come, if not tomorrow, definitely by Thursday. And you guys have an awesome day. I'm out.